Hey, welcome to Less Than Silent Hills. I'm one of your hosts, Brock Wilbur. And I'm your other one of your hosts, Rachel Jane Andelman. And this is the only podcast dedicated to two comedians working their way through the history of the Silent Hill video games and extended universe to try to explain it to you so you don't have to do it yourself. Because, because, uh, why, because, because why would you do that to yourself? I, why why would we do this to ourselves for for your benefit and and no pay? That's why this is a monthly show. Uh, Rachel, how have you been? Um, I'm okay. Um, I just came from Magic the Gathering rehearsal, so uh, that's like my brain space. Um, and I'm entering a very oh different... tell tell our audience what your Magic the Gathering show is because it's so goddamn good. <laughs> um, my Magic the Gathering show is a live monthly improv show where two Two of the improvisers play planeswalkers who play a game of magic in front of the audience, and then the rest of the improvisers um, play it out. Um, and uh, we build the planeswalkers. They're like epic, godlike figures, and uh, then they play a game of magic, and we discover uh, the origin stories or sort of the way these spells or creature summons manifest in the worlds that we're building from scratch every single time. So it's just like a delight. It's really funny. It's really epic. If you're in Boston, check it out. This is a plug for a different show at the top of my other show. Uh, I assume that's cool. <laughs> it's important to sort of like uh, sandwich our plugs for things between the thing that we also plug elsewhere. Yeah, everything is just an advertisement for a different thing. That's like capitalism, and I think it's <laughs> awesome. Welcome to our late stage capitalism <laughs> Silent Hill podcast. Uh, you know what? I think I think that uh, look, Silent Hill is itself very socialist. Uh, it's all it's a group coming together in a communal situation to <laughs> all work at the same cult and yeah. really fuck up some kids. Uh, and uh, that's yeah. you know what? That's admirable in its own way. Um, so today is our fourth episode. Rachel, how do you feel this show's going? I think it's going great. Um, I am really excited for each new installment to kind of go even, like, e every video game is gonna, I feel like, it's, it's headed off, like, a really beautiful cliff. Um, <laughs> I sort of feel that way. Um, uh, people have told me that Silent Hill is a beautiful video game series that goes off a beautiful cliff. Um, so I'm just, ex I'm excited to, f to feel that rush of air past my body as we continue down. <laughs> I, I, if we could have like a, a semicolon at the, at the end of our title, like less than Silent Hill semicolon, a beautiful cliff. I feel like that's <laughs> a better title for this show. We don't. We don't have so much of a structure as we do have like a fun time sort of parsing this. I, I remember when we started, I sent over like a list is like, these are the different segments we should do. And fuck that. We'll never do those segments. <laughs> we just have so much fun with this. And we are really glad that, that people seem to keep listening and enjoying it so much. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the very nice reviews that you've written, including the one on iTunes that worries that somebody's abusing a cat in the background. That cat uh is fine. Yeah, did you know that cats will meow just because you won't let them into a room? Um, and um, for for that, uh, it sounded very sad. But I think that's a great segue into this Silent Hill uh, uh, edition. If you weren't going to do it, I was going to do it. It was right there. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for the lob. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this 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 uh, episode is about Silent Hill for. Uh, coal in the room, which is all about <laughs> a really, a really special room. Brock, how is this room so special? 
this 2004 game, which uh, from the top will acknowledge uh, this, this is the end of the first four games in the series. And at the end of this game, Team Silent, who made all these games, got disbanded. And then uh, Konami sort of used other teams and outsourcing and stuff on the series from this point forward. So it gets wildly out of control. Um, and so this is sort of an end point, which after this episode, we might do like the movie finally and maybe do a couple of guest episodes to talk about like this first chunk, because like if you've listened to our Silent Hill 3 episode and the Silent Hill 2 episode, <laughs> I suppose both of those end with like, well, we probably have another hour of things, but we really need to stop because we can't do a three hour podcast. Right. Um, so uh, Silent Hill 4 opens uh God, I love it so much. Uh, it's, it, it's it's phantasmagoric in this way that it feels like it's a very adult version of like the Phantom Toll Booth. Um, mm. It's just this guy in his room, and he's like, "I've been in this room in my apartment." Uh, he's got a one bedroom apartment, uh, which has like three rooms. So already some problems with the titling. Uh, and uh, he's like, "I've been in here for five days, and there's a bunch of locks on the inside of his door that he can't seem to break." And he's like, "Well." I guess I'm just stuck in here and he can like look out his windows at the world. He can, he has a phone that he can use, uh, but no one can seem to really hear him or notice that he's knocking on the, the walls or anything. He can also spy on his uh, neighbor next door who is uh, right. a pretty woman in revealing clothing. And he, you can spend a lot of time doing that, but you can also look out a peephole. It, it gives you uh, a really good simulation of being like drug paranoid like yeah. uh, you're just always looking like nothing's actually happening, but you keep hearing sounds and you're like that. What is that? And it's always just like somebody sweeping in the hallway or something. <laughs> and you're like, I thought it was death coming to get me. So you're you're this guy. Uh, you're hanging out. Uh, your name's Henry Townsend and you're in this apartment. Uh, and then one day in your bathroom, a hole appears. Uh, yeah. The the world's weirdest glory hole. Um, <laughs> and you, he has a line of logic here. That he's like, well. There's no other way out of this apartment. Let me crawl down this gigantic infinity hole and see where it takes me. Uh, and Rachel, wh where does the hole take him? Oh, well, you know, because it's Silent Hill, we already know where it's taking him. It's taking him to another world uh, called the Other World. Um, and that's... <laughs> Appropriately that's... <laughs> named. Let's, let's agree on that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so like he um, he uh, goes into this alternate alternate dimension. Um, you may be shocked to hear because it's a Silent Hill uh, installment that this other dimension is not particularly uh, tidy um, or like well lit <laughs> or like a pleasant place to be in. Uh, but he's certainly there, and he does he does meet someone. He meets um, another um, sexy lady uh, down this hole. Um, I believe it's the first <laughs> hole. Uh, all the ladies, um, I think in this one are sexy. Um, uh, they came back, they're like, no more evil, non-sexy ladies. Let's keep it, let's keep it on the sexy side. Uh, so and her meets... name's Cynthia Velasquez, uh, which is, uh, our first person of color in the Silent Hill series. I believe so. <laughs> uh, it took four, uh, but we got there. Um. And she's sort of like, uh, she does not think she is awake. She believes she is in a dream. Um, and she sort of like immediately like um, sort of uh, suggests that she do like a sexual favor for uh, Henry. Like I think in the first two minutes of the meeting, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> 
she calls it a, a special favor, but she's sort of like, this is a dream, this isn't real, I'm going to have fun, um, we're all just goofing around here in the other world, uh, which is like kind of like a fun, it's a fun premise, like somebody's in the other world, but they don't believe that this is happening to them, so they're just having a great time. Like, they're lucid dreaming, but they're lucid dreaming in a fucking nightmare, uh, which seems like a weird mix of things. Like, I have total control over this dream, but uh, most of what I'm talking to is dogs that are turned inside out with lizard tongues. So, it's not the best. Like, I, I'm here, but I don't want to be in control of this situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there is there is one guy, and I can talk to him, and I can sort of um, be sexually levicious toward him. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I think that's a good plan. It's an excellent plan. Uh, so this is uh, this is a long game. And part of what makes this game long is that there's most of the game is sort of a repeat of events in different situations. Uh, and basically, from first sexy lady onward, there's a series of people that you wind up meeting in the other world who are in the same situation. They're all people that like live in your apartment building and they all found a hole and they're all there. Uh, and then whenever you travel back through different holes into your apartment, you find out that they've been murdered in the real world too. Uh, and like, you can like look out the window and like there's an ambulance next to uh, the entrance to the train area where uh, she gets killed uh, and stuff in the dream world. Uh, and you get radio reports about all, all these bodies turning up and so on and so forth. And this gets into uh, sort of the difference between things. There is a Silent Hill game that you're playing, but uh, at any point, uh, whenever you find another hole in the world, you can travel through that that hole back into the hole in your apartment. Uh, and in your apartment, you're in this sort of first person perspective as opposed to the third person perspective of the video game world. And stuff in your apartment gets weird. It's important to go check on things, but you also can't fight anything in your apartment. Uh, and, and whenever you go into the apartment in the first half of the game, it always like restores all your health. And it's, it is, I love this game so very much. Uh, and, and I love it because it is this, it, it fully realizes, I think more than anything else in the series, like this dreamlike world where things get weird so fast. And then the world itself joins it. Uh, and, and I, I think that there's so many interesting ideas that are also <laughs> gameplay ideas. It is also a goddamn brutally hard game to play. And I recommend if you find a way to play it on PC or something that you absolutely use cheat codes because it's it's just nearly impossible. Um, but it, it this is one of these brilliant ideas that it tries, which people have lambasted it and don't love it. I love it. I think it's great because you have an actual safe space in your apartment and sometimes in the middle of the other world you're like, oh shit, thank God. I get to go home for a minute. I get to catch my breath. Nothing bad can happen to me there. And as the game progresses, uh, you start to bring back some of that grime from the other world with you. Mm. Your apartment starts to get dirtier and dirtier and at some point uh, horrible goddamn murder ghosts start crawling out of the walls and you have to like set up candles and things to keep them at bay. Uh, and there's only a set number of candles and it's, it starts to make it so each time you come back, it becomes more and more dangerous and more and more hurtful to you unless you've taken proper precautions. So your safe space gradually gets taken away from you. Uh, and it's also the place where you save your game. And oh, my God, is it is it so frustrating and scary? <laughs> but like and, and it starts to be the thing where you're like, I, I, I you see the hole and you're like, I need to go back. But also, will I just wind up dying 
in my apartment now. Like it, it, it goes from being a safety thing to another form of a threat. And as, as an, as like a gameplay thing, that's so effective and cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's part of the story that you need to understand that this is, as we continue to talk about the story of what's happening, that thing is always just sort of running in the background. So you have, you have like an actual B plot in this story, which is the things going on in your real world, which includes like, your superintendent and other people in the building being like, eh, something fucked up's going on in that room, but I don't really want to check it out. Uh, including <laughs> maybe the greatest line in the game series where offhandedly he mentions to uh, Eileen, your neighbor. Yes. Uh, your superintendent mentions that he's got an umbilical cord he's kept in his apartment for years and it's starting to smell all of a terrible. sudden. And she's like, what's that about? And he goes, nothing. I'll just, you know, forget about that. Anyway, let's And leave then she does forget alone. about it, which I'm like, she's like, okay. <laughs> It's the like, polite she... thing to do, Rachel. If somebody asks you to forget a smelly umbilical cord that they keep in a box, you just don't bring it up again. We live in a polite society. Yeah. And just to be clear about the superintendent, is that James's father, canonically? Or am I thinking of a different character? Y- yes, I think you're right on that. This this is also one of those reasons that like, I get a stress also right before we record this show because I know I know know that I don't know enough sometimes and I know that the people listening do and I know somebody somewhere is screaming like no it's his uncle and I can hear you and I'm sorry (laughs) I I can't keep it all straight we we're gonna do circle back episodes on all these things with people much smarter than us about it yeah we should just have like a corrections we just have a corrections show we're just like just 30 minutes of correcting our first four episodes yes (laughs) we have to we, we, we kind of have to. So yeah. you keep meeting these people and there's this little boy running around uh, and and it's revealed pretty quickly that there is a serial killer that's responsible for killings of, of like 20 people and they tell you his name uh, and his name is Walter Sullivan and then you meet this little kid who's being a real prankster and his name is Walter Wal- also Walter Sullivan. So you're right away you're like, okay, the child version of this. I've seen the movie, the cell. I know how these things go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so where does it, where does it go from here? Once you've sort of identified the kid and all the stuff going on. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that um, uh, there, we, there's, there's a bunch of uh, revelations. Of course there are um, uh, about sort of the nature of the apartment and um, sort of who was there before, which was a journalist um, who uh, had sort of a similar fate as um, Henry is is in the middle of having. And sort of uh, there's like backstory about the child, about how he was actually born into the apartment that you're living in now. Um, and this is like why it's all happening to you. And he was um, abandoned by his parents um, and he was brought up in the orphanage but it's like the Silent Hill Orphanage where they teach kids how to be super evil. Um, you know, just classic orphan, uh, Silent Hill Orphanage shenanigans. And this kid grows up, I mean, it's, it's like, um, oh, uh, is he a serial killer? Oh, he grew up in Silent Hill Orphanage? Oh, obviously. Um, say no more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he's getting, he's like, he like learned dark magic in the orphanage and he's like, I'm going to um, kill these 21 people because they represent the 21 sacraments and the sacraments are going to, um... now this is the part where I, there's always like a part where the Silent Hill uh, backstory like loses me and I'm like, okay, I know he thinks that, that he thinks the room is his mother. 
which is like for me is like kind of the biggest leap of logic that I think we've encountered so far. He thinks this empty room or this empty series of rooms is his mom. Uh, okay, and now he's gonna kill twenty one people, and this is going to bring his mom back or like turn the room alive. Like I, I am. And I, you know, I read the wikia, I watched the cutscenes, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm reasonably on board until I'm like, what are the 21 murders actually supposed to do to the room? Uh, Brock, can you help me out here? So there's, you're right. You're not wrong. <laughs> Let's start there. Uh, this is, um, there's so much about this game that I think makes it the best of, of especially the Spatch of Silent Hill games and therefore the rest of them because like i remember playing this one and silent hill 2 around the same time and like now i recognize that silent hill 2 is probably the one with equal if not more sexual issues but this one as as, as four made more sense to me right off the bat because you, your game starts with you like spying on your neighbor while she's changing clothes and like having all these situations and and the thrust of the game is about uh birth and and we've we've discussed uh, in other games like it's about motherhood or it's about disease and now we're to sort of the difficulty of birth and the backstory of our serial killer here is that he's abandoned at birth in this room uh and so the room becomes mother and so he has this real desire to return to the womb and he feels like this this all needs to happen and uh the child version of him represents that need to go back. Um, and so what the what the sacraments will do is if adult dude gets to murder these 21 people and goes through with this whole giant, very dream logic system of, of, of things, then he will get to live forever as a child in that space. Uh, okay. And he doesn't have to he doesn't have to live with that pain anymore. And he can do this, which the. It's extreme, but also there is a part about this that, uh, especially when I played it for the first time, I was in a very small, shitty Southside Chicago apartment, like by myself. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, and and we might not mention it fully before. This doesn't take place in Silent Hill. It takes place in a in a big city, and there, you can see people outside. Like it's it's bustling. It's bright. Uh, you you're yeah. actually like you can actually spy in the windows of people across the street and see things that they're up to. It's very rear window, so. It, it is about, like, this sense of isolation, even amidst everyone around you. Like, you, even if you bang on the walls and scream to your neighbor, like, no one can care and no one can hear. And I think that there is a part of that that really spoke to me at the time and continues to now, especially, like, the more social media friends I have versus the more isolated that I feel in the place where I am. But there is also a comfort in in my room that I'm like this this is something that I need and this is very funny for me to say because right now in this moment while we are recording I am currently in the middle of a blizzard where I'm literally trapped in my oh, house no. <laughs> uh, so like I'm like you know what uh, there are times in my life this would have been upsetting this is where I want to be I don't think I would have gone out today anyway uh, yeah. so there there is something I think it says things on a lot of levels about where we find comfort in the world and what we would do to retain that comfort. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we don't all need to return to the womb to get it, but there, <laughs> there is something about this. And, and that is why it is so interesting that um, everyone else around him are, are, is the people that are being murdered and, and turned into these ghosts and stuff because 
they need to depend on each other to get through this and no one does. Uh, so it is a little bit about like, God, we, we have gone socialist again. If only there was a communal <laughs> effort here to stop the serial killer ghost man, right. uh, everyone would be fine. But instead, we're all stuck in flesh prison. Uh, oh. So that's, that's <laughs> we could have just talked through our problems. Oh. Uh, and and this uh, so this 21 sacrament thing brings about a really interesting thing. This game has some monsters. Yeah. And these monsters do not make any fucking sense. There is <laughs> there is there are some ties between some of them, but there's also like a lot of dog things and there's a bunch of monkeys yeah. that like evolve to use tools, but there's also uh, just a, a weird monster that's a replacement for the sexy nurses, and uh, all it does is that when you hit it, it burps violently. Uh, just like a real comedically over-the-top just blah every single time you hit it. And I remember playing it for the first time and being like, am I scared of what's happening? Or It is it is deeply funny, but it is actually deeply unsettling because you're just like, yeah. I can't explain why anyone made this choice. Yeah. Um, so the... Those monsters and stuff are fine. The thing that makes Silent Hill 4 just a brutally unfun gaming experience for large stretches is that uh, there's supposed to be 21 people that are killed here to complete the thing. You should be the 21st and your friend Eileen should be the 20th. But that means that there's 19 of these other ghosts uh, and some of the people that you meet along the way that die become these ghosts and the way that they die becomes what kind of ghosts they are. But uh, these ghosts float around. They yeah. go between walls. They go across rooms. There is no way to run from them or hide from them. And not only do they hurt you when they grab you and attack you, just being in their presence gives you a headache that turns the screen red and you can't see and that damages you too. Yeah. And they can't be killed. You can hit them a bunch. You can knock them down and they stay down for like a second and they get back up. And the only thing that can keep them down is to pin them to the ground or to the wall with uh, a magical sword. That yep. you find in the other world. But the problem is there's 19 ghosts and there are five swords. Uh, <laughs> so it becomes if, if you even like your best bet is to try and just keep running through everything. And that's kind of the rule for this game, because almost every room that you hit enemies in, there's just too many. It's always too many. Uh, yeah. And 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 you might remember when we talked about Silent Hill 3. You start that game with a fucking Uzi uh, and like, grenades. Like you, she is such a badass. She's she's Lady Dream World Rambo. Yeah. Uh, this game, you mostly have what you would find uh, in a golf cart, and yeah. that's about it. You have a bunch of golf clubs. At, later in the game, you get like an axe, and then there's like a pistol, but like. Uh, ammunition takes up too much room in your inventory and doesn't really do anything. So you are really weakened in terms of the, of the, the weapons you have here. And I th it makes it for a much better game, but also it means the fuck you going to do with the ghosts. Uh, right. And, and so there is, there is just this sort of constant, uh, there is no safety in this world. Ghosts can come and find you anywhere and they're impossible to stop and they will kill you so fast. And especially, uh, one of the design elements of this world uh, in this game is that it's a lot of mazes. It's a lot of, yeah. uh, whereas before in like Silent Hill 2 or something, you'd be in like a hotel and you'd be like, I got to figure out some of these rooms. I got to unlock some things. There's a little bit of backtracking and then you're out of the hotel. Here, you spend like two hours in one thing called the water prison where you raise and lower different amounts of water and uh, along the way, make more and more different kinds of monsters angry to chase you. Uh, it's just, uh, but there's also holes you leap through in rooms and various ladders. And it's, 
it is nearly impossible to know what you're doing if you haven't like mapped this all out. Yeah. Uh, and and so you spend a lot of time in locations where the number of monsters keep piling up and you you really you really learn these spaces. Um, how much of the game did you see this time? Because this is also one of those things that I feel like you might have had a much better experience with this because I think the ideas and some of the story of yeah. Silent Hill 4 is so much better than playing Silent Hill 4. Yeah, it's really funny because, um, like, I'll be honest, I mostly, I, I, I read the wiki and I and I watched the cutscenes. I didn't really watch too much of the gameplay. And the like. all of the monsters that you are describing they're not really in the cutscenes at all, uh, which is funny because, like, even in you know, if you if you watch like the cutscenes of Silent Hill Two, um, you know, there'll still be scenes of of encountering the monsters for the first time. So it's like right. funny the extent to which these monsters do not have any sort of like narrative relevance, like to the extent that they would be actually featured in the cutscenes. Then <laughs> they're just like, here's a story. And then like you 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 play the game and you're like, okay, this is uh, this is impossible. <laughs> there, there, there is there is only one monster that really ties in and it's actually it's a it's it's called Twin Victim and it's two children that he murders at the same time and instead of becoming ghosts, uh, they become this giant like uh Edo uh anime nightmare that's these two giant children's heads bound together by black matter and they walk around on two gigantic hands uh wow. and it's it is one of the best monsters in the series but it's also like i'm saying it's it's an exception to the rule in terms of what they did with the rest of the things which it, it is it is sometimes difficult in the moment to pay attention to what these ghosts are doing uh, in terms of like, hey, which character is that? Because they all, all 19 of them look different. But if two of them are chasing you at the same time, you're just screaming, oh, fuck, oh, shit, oh, fuck, oh, shit. And then like later, it's one of those things that I needed YouTube videos and stuff to really walk me through who some of them were and tie them to the backstory. And once you have that, uh, it it feels a lot like the movie 13 Ghosts, like each of these different ghosts does have a different backstory that informs how it acts and how it attacks you in very in in in, in, in very subtle ways, like too subtle yeah. for a Silent Hill game. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, like the more this is one of those things that it is. The more you read about this game, the more you are impressed by it, and the more that I'm like, who had who who had that idea? Who said like, hey, each ghost should be different with a different story, and also there should be way too many of them, and also you can't kill them, but also. Uh, you really need to clean your apartment. Like, <laughs> you, you, there should be a level of this game that's just apartment cleanliness management, and if you can't manage it, you die as well. Like, uh, I just it's 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 they threw a bunch of ideas at the wall, but they're not yeah they're not disconnected ideas. They all work together, and it all makes it scarier and weirder. And I I love it for it. So yeah, back back to the story. What what happens here when we finally meet up with uh, Eileen? Um, uh, yeah, so, um, Eileen is, um, the, the sexy neighbor, um, and, uh, she is, like, dressed... Can, should we, should we start referring to all characters that are not the protagonist as sexy? Yes, uh, We met sexy superintendent, uh, he looks a little yeah. like Ted Danson, but not in a suit. <laughs> yeah, 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 this, this sexy superintendent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think like it's always interesting how um, Silent Hill like kind of gets a quote unquote gets away with some of its portrayals of women, um, and like you're like, oh, is it just is it is it misogynist the way that like all these women are like uh, gorgeous and beautifully dressed and always in danger and you have to save them, and uh, the the reason like the diegetic reason given for Eileen being sort of made up uh, f for this uh, for this game is that she's like on her way to a party and that's like her major plot point is that like when you see her she's talking about this party uh, when you peep on her she's like on the phone call like talking about getting ready for the party um, and I and it plot and it, and it kind of plays into like the themes of like introversion and loneliness and like being you know part of a part of a group and like feeling like you belong you're like oh here's this woman and she's about to kind of go belong somewhere else um and i can like kind of helplessly watch her like uh, uh prepare for this moment that she gets to enjoy that i don't because i'm locked in my apartment i can't go have fun with her and then of course she doesn't get to go to the party at all she um almost gets murdered and um this was like another point where i was like like there is there like an actual reason that she doesn't turn into a ghost but that like you are actually um able to meet her again later like in the hospital and and she's just incredibly um she's just like incredibly injured and she's like the most messed up looking character i think i've ever uh, scene be um, somebody who you then have to do an escort mission with. Like, I've never seen an escort mission with someone who already looks like this badly beat up um, in like any other video game. Um, maybe that's untrue. Maybe other people have had wor uh, escort missions with like, <laughs> like more unwell people, but like you're basically bringing her along with you while you guys um, learn more about uh, Walter Sullivan and uh, she has like the numbers like carved into her back and she's like covered in bruises uh, and her and her arm is broken and she can't climb um, she can't climb um, ladders uh, but she is miraculously not dead and I'm not really sure why she doesn't die the way that everybody else dies uh, Brock do you do you understand that point about it uh, yeah, I can walk us through uh, this part here. So, uh, yeah, you meet Eileen, and she's in the process of being killed uh, by the serial killer, Walter. Uh, and uh, for each of the killers, uh, for each of his victims, he always carves a number into them. Uh, and that's sort of his system of keeping track to make sure, <laughs> you know, efficiency, uh, making yeah. sure we get everything done here. Uh, and in the middle, uh, like after she gets the number scrawled into her, your character bursts in, you save her, and then you guys uh, go on this adventure together where it is an escort mission. And and as Rachel said, it is hard to deny that this is just the most beat up character you've ever seen in a game. Because she, she comes with you and like she'll, the rest of the game, like sort of attack things. And she's not in real danger of ever dying. So sometimes she'll hit a monster a couple of times. Or you've, uh, and... And you, the two of you begin to uh, explore both the most um, the most obvious thing, which is sort of the other world of the apartment building that you're in, which, of course, like behind every apartment, there is some sort of secret tunnel filled with monsters that's always been living there and sucking the souls out of people and stuff. And that's cool. But also uh, this game from about 
a third of the way on, uh, st- gets so far into this dream logic of what it's doing and of the world, because it, it doesn't do anything that the other Silent Hills have done where like, oh, a, a place is sort of normal and like air, air siren sounds and now it's all dirty. It just goes into a world and the world that it chooses to build, uh, starting with this weird water prison thing. And when you get out of that, uh, becomes this thing with like weird elevators to the sky and stuff. It is, it is almost missed. It is almost one of those <laughs> old weird adventure games. that's just like, I don't know. There's just a, a whole world of things out here and it is untethered from a reality. Uh, and that, and it means you can wind up anywhere. You can wind up in gigantic graveyard spaces outside of what's probably silent Hill, or you can be, uh, in somebody's brain, or you can be in a, a mental hospital full of uh, wheelchairs that just roll around uh, attacking people uh, that can't be destroyed. Uh, it's it is it is bizarre and cartoonish, <laughs> and she is just sort of all along for the ride here, and never is like this is too fucked up. She's just <laughs> like, all right, well, we got to plow forward. Uh, but she is like in a in a cast and uh, for a broken arm, and she is all beaten up. And what happens is. Um, you work towards the end of the game here, and the end game situation here is uh, one of the biggest like spectacle things I've ever seen in a game, and and certainly I think probably for the series. Yeah, uh, and it, it 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 ties into uh, into the endings of of all three of the other games, which makes it really interesting. Basically, what happens is uh, Walter uh, in this dream logic world has built this space where he will finish off. Uh, the prophecy and what happens is there is a gigantic monster version of him and or mother uh, that's screaming Uh, around it are six bodies that have been impaled with these giant spears uh, that that circled this room and in the middle of the room is a giant pool filled with blood and in the middle of that blood pool (laughs) is a giant gyroscope from the movie event horizon just spiky and swirling And uh, Eileen is possessed, and she just slowly keeps walking towards the murder gyroscope. Yeah. Uh, And in the interim, uh, Walter shoots you with a bunch of guns while laughing and, like, vanishing because he's in a ghost form. Right. Uh, (laughs) So you've got to try and stop her, and the only way to stop her is to stop him. So... And did we, did we mention has... yet so far? I don't mean to stop you. Did we mention no. that like Walter is definitely already dead? This entire this entire game, he's dead. It it he's he's definitely dead, and and he's still doing these murders, and that allows him at some points to just like the ghost, just pop up out of nowhere and just start shooting at you. And you're like, it is so weird to have, and he's in like a black trench coat. It's yeah. so <laughs> weird to have uh, like the guy from the Matrix just pop up and start shooting at you, especially in this game. It like. There's never a character in a Silent Hill game that's had a gun to shoot at you. Like, this is, it's yeah. out of control that all of a sudden he's got an Uzi and you're like, oh, I remember th- game three when I was the one with the Uzi. But now <laughs> it's, I don't know, he's got a ghost gun. It's really fucking upsetting. So he is dead and he's f- shooting you and this stuff is happening. So what you have to do in this final situation is you have to gather all of these, all of these giant stabby pitchfork things and you have to shove them into the giant monster and when you do that and then give the monster the box with the umbilical cord in it, which yeah. belongs to Walter, it causes him to regain his physical form. And now you can kill him if you if you can. Like he takes a million hits and the entire time yeah. Eileen is still walking down into the blood pool about to die. So 
this this answers some of your questions. Uh, there are four endings here to the game based on what happens next. Yeah. And um, they depend on a. Did you clean out all the dark spirits from your own apartment, or is it still haunted as fuck? Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that determines it is how many like hits she took while you were doing the last part of the game together. Because if she got real the fuck beat up, uh, her personality in the last third of the game changes. Like she becomes really antagonistic to you. And in this point, she actually walks much faster towards the blood pool. Whereas mm. if you protected her a little better, she walks slower and is much more on your side, yeah. uh, which is something that like, it's uh, another subtle detail in the game. Won't tell you that, but like you can see like there's, there's versions of her where she's beat up. Uh, in this game, and then there's versions of her where she is beat up, uh, and it, and and there's no, like everything else here, there's no gauge to show how much that is, or like if if you're doing a good job or not. And oftentimes she's off screen somewhere, so it's like I don't know, just taking a guess here. So it's possible that she winds up walking into the blood pit and dying, and then. Uh, Walter gets reborn into the room, gets to live there forever, you die, or Walter, like, gets to live in your head. Like, there's a lot of stuff that happens that's fucked up. Yeah. The good endings, uh, in, like like Rachel mentioned, involved that, like, you guys just sort of walk out to the apartment building, and then the next day you're at the hospital, and he brings her flowers, and uh, depending on which ending you got, which is, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, <laughs> one ending, one ending is just her saying, like, I guess I got to find a new place to live and you nod and then it just cuts to credits. But the other version of it, if you got the slightly less good ending, is that she says, well, I guess I can go home now and you nod and then it cuts back to the apartment that's filled with ghosts and yeah. just like, well, wait, what kind of, why did you nod to that, man? That's not a great idea. You're just like, listen, I get it. You're possessed. Living in a ghost-filled apartment makes sense when you're a possessed person. I'm on board with it. You do what you gotta do. Leases are leases. <laughs> you can't break your lease. And you can't... You could definitely cannot break your ghost lease, Brock. This is this is like thank you for smoking with the uh, we all have a mortgage to pay, except this is ghost mortgage. Ghost we all mortgage. have a ghost mortgage to we pay. We all have a ghost mortgage. Um, I do like... I feel like the more we talk about it, the more I I like there's like this uh this implication between um Silent Hill three and Silent Hill four. You're like uh in Silent Hill three you get the Uzi, but in Silent Hill four they have the Uzi, and that's less Uzi fun. gets you. <laughs> the Uzi gets you, and it reminds me of the fact that like one thing I like about the room is how it's like this weird introverted um this um like introverted version of Silent Hill 3 where, um, like, to talk about, like, what Silent Hill 4 is about or, like, what, um, Walter and Henry's, like, actual relationship is, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, I think, like, you know, Silent Hill 3 is about Heather Mason being this, like, adopted child and having to, like, confront, like, her actual origins of being this kind of reincarnation of this sort of um, super powerful um, child of prophecy. And what Silent Hill 4 is about is is not like, oh, you are uh, this child who was adopted and you are, like, a super powerful child, but you're like, what if instead of the a super powerful child being adopted by, like, a normal guy... Like, you're just, like, this normal guy who's sort of, by the logic of the game, 
sort of been adopted by the super powerful uh, room, like mother like room figure. And then you Holy have shit. this. That's so good. I like that <laughs> so much. Oh my God. <laughs> and then, like, and then uh, Walter is sort of like your resentful, evil, ghost serial killer brother who's like, get out of my room. That's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> i kind of i kind of want to animate this part of the, of the podcast yeah i mean um i mean maybe it's nuts but i think it's like i was just thinking about it i'm like laughing because you're like this game is so hard it's you know um it has all these levels it takes so long and for me there's like again like i think a lot of what's hard about silent hill is also something that makes it funny when you look at it uh in like the narrative sense and i think it's really funny to me that you know poor <laughs> poor uh henry townsend is just this normal guy who uh you know rented the wrong apartment now he's in this like mother house or this mother apartment and now he's just being stalked and um attempted to like this like his like evil he's he gets like adopted into this weird the, he gets adopted into the mythos of silent hill where his brother his adopt like quote unquote adopted brother is just killing everyone and he's like well i guess i gotta stop my brother i guess i'm kind of my brother's keeper but like henry is like so normal and everything around him is so weird uh and um and i think like uh the the backstory is just, like he's just like a normal guy who's enjoying his life and then he like gets he rents his apartment he's like oh renting by renting the apartment you are now this adopted child of of the silent hill world and now you have to deal with your brother uh but you don't have any powers uh you are the opposite of of Heather Mason, you have no powers inside of this horrible uh, ghost world. It is a, it is very much that, and it is sort of what I think makes uh, it such a departure because certainly, like the games before it, and absolutely the ones to come after it, are about you know, yeah, uh, sins of the bloodline or your personal sins. Like I'm, I'm a pretty okay guy. I I haven't made all the right choices in my life. I still would never fucking vacation in Silent Hill because whatever is going to happen there <laughs> is going to expose me for everything I've ever done wrong. Uh, this isn't that guy. He hasn't yeah. killed his wife. Uh, he's he's not part of, of a lineage. He and he's and and the best part is he's not even in Silent Hill. He just got a rent controlled apartment <laughs> in a big city and was probably pretty pretty keen on it. And uh, now he is stuck there. Uh, and, I mean, there's a laundry unit in in there, which in my Chicago. Uh, apartment at the time, I was like, I don't even have laundry in my apartment. Is this is this shithole apartment actually better than my? Oh no, the real horror story uh, is housing. Um, <laughs> it, it it is it is very interesting because it is it is a, a universal story that can be applied onto anyone. You are in the situation, and you're literally in a first person perspective when you are in the real world. This is within you, uh, and you know Henry is an extrapolation of you that exists in in a dream state like that that is what you are when you go to the other side so you, in the real world he can be absolutely anybody it it is you um and it is odd that that the sins of somebody else can seep into into your world in that way like literally and figuratively like it is it is something that you had nothing to do with but look a thing from another place and from another person like these 
these can all trap you and and cause cause pain to somebody so far outside of that and yeah. his ability to like stand up and fight back against that but also try to help others along the way is so interesting it is he is maybe the only like real hero in the Silent Hill series. Uh, like, no emotional baggage, just as like, hey, I'm here to help. And you know what? Maybe I did uh, peep a little bit, but I have good good reasons. And... <laughs> And also, you're don't 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 keep that little uh, teddy bear rabbit on your bed facing me anymore. That's creepy. Get rid of that. uh, yeah, 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 it's yeah. Um, and I do love like that. It's a mecha- I love that. I love that peeping is a mechanic, and like you have to peep in order to move the story forward, right? Oh, absolutely. And like, uh, there's there's a hole in your wall that you peep through on your neighbor, but there is, as I mentioned before, like amidst all the chains on your door, there is a peephole on your door and it is important to, to peep out your door. And sometimes it takes like a minute or two for like the person to come by and you can sort of hear something rustling out there or see something just like in in the real world when you're looking at your people, like just something moving along the corner and you're like, is something there? I can't tell. Like one time you look at your people and it's actually you out there. Uh, just sort of like howling uh, and your <laughs> eyes are gone. And I was like, all right, that fucking worked. Uh, and another time you look out there near the end uh, and it's just uh, it's just the serial killer standing there just looking you directly in the eye. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. cool normal, awesome. normal door. Uh, and and there's, there's a lot of lore happening in this game. Um, every time you look out the door and stuff, uh, usually when you get back to the, the real world, there's little notes that somebody keeps slipping to you under the door. And they are notes from the journalist who lived in the apartment before you, who is, who is dead, uh, who ostensibly, I guess you're playing in the opening sequence of the game when you get sort of killed by something coming through the wall. That's actually you playing as him dying, which oh. I, I never understood. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, so this is, this it just takes so many experiments uh, here in in terms of storytelling, and I think that that's why this game is so exciting to me. Because like, if if people are like, why would you do a Silent Hill podcast? What's so interesting or exciting to take from that? I'm like, it's this. Uh, yeah. you, you know, we we don't need to have the debate about our video games art, but like, there is a lot about what this game does uh, that only a video game can do. Like, it's you couldn't do a movie of this that captures the sense of fear of like should I try to go back to my safe space? Uh, and, and I'm trying to like sort of uh, solve these mysteries yourself about like who these various ghosts are or what your part is in this or how you're supposed to stop this thing or how weird it is that this stuff is happening. But also this fourth game from Team Silent and the final Team Silent game, I think this is the one that like at this point, there's nothing aside from maybe like the umbilical cord line and some of the like flirty dialogue at the start. Nothing here is funny to me like none, yeah. none of this is like good bad uh right. this is like a fucking solid horror story with uh and and you and you saw saw it in so many of the cutscenes. like there are so many like weird deaths and things that happen here that just like they've stuck with me from like 15 years now uh like yeah. the guy the guy being electrocuted while he's trying to talk to you and explain who the kid is and things like that there's there's so much happening and 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 it isn't just in the 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 cutscenes here as it is in a, in like one and two. It is also in the game itself. There's 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 a time where you walk into a room, and it is uh, Eileen's face like two stories tall, and her <laughs> eye is just spasming. 
and <laughs> and you like I, I think every player's first thought is like it's a monster and you try to like hit it with an axe and there's nothing you can do it's just her giant face in a room and yep. things like that just abound in this game and it really feels like they told the art and design team do whatever you want like there is you this might is have our, this is our last game this is our last game <laughs> just have a ball <laughs> <laughs> You, really, what, it, it, you're, you're probably not wrong. There's probably a lot of stuff in here that they're like, we should save this for the next one. And they're like, just go ahead and put it in. Like, yeah. Hey, why is that, Bob? I'm just saying, maybe just just try your best on this one. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, whatever you've wanted to do for a Silent Hill game, but you haven't been able to, maybe get it out now. And, and, and you might have missed this one because it's one of the monsters in game. And it's not even really a monster. It's just sort of around at points. There is a gigantic worm. Yeah. Uh, that that like the size of hallways that sort of just like running through places. You can't you can't kill it. It's just sort of there at some points. And I, I found out later doing the research, like ostensibly that worm is what is hollowing out these holes that allow you to travel through things. Oh. And the same person that I read about pointing that out also pointed out that. Uh, in Silent Hill 2, when there's that great moment that uh, that your main character finds that writing on the wall that says there used to be a hole here, now there isn't, that maybe that's a tie-in to this as well. Uh, but also, this is a game about birth, and you spend most of the time uh, traveling through various uh, tubes to uh, be born into new worlds. There, there's metaphors here that that are subtler and metaphors here that are not subtler. Yeah. <laughs> Like, this is not I like I do like that I think if there's one thing that holds all the Silent Hill games together so far it's just like um, a fearless embrace of just the really um, non-subtle metaphor and, and this is also one that like it may be the only part of it that that as we do this show now I feel like uh, is a misstep is that we just had the female protagonist in the last one to talk about, you know, motherhood and stuff. And now we're exploring birth and it's the story of two men. Yeah. Uh, and they're, I, although, okay, you know what? Never mind. Mommy issue stuff uh, seems yeah. like a real, that needs to be men thing. I'll take, I'll walk that one back. This is actually, this <laughs> should be a game that features male protagonists because this is the sort of stuff that fucks up male protagonists and that's worth exploring for its, its shit too. Uh, it is, it is, it is really interesting how much this series relies on these sort of, uh, female uh, emotions and, and, and sort of like story structures and that that's the base of what they build from. And that it's usually a man that fucks the thing up in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, it is, like, the gender stuff is, is interesting, um, obviously, um, uh, you know, like, I feel like it's almost like old hat to say, like, oh, there are tunnels you go through, and this is, so it's a metaphor for birth, and this kid was, uh, his trauma was in this sort of parentless birth, or in this sort of, um, he was in this abandonment after birth. It was this, um, this sort of, uh, uh, he was rejected in birth. And I think that Eileen is like, uh, she has that moment where she's like, feels a lot of sympathy for Walter, you know, evil serial killer Walter, but she's talking about like little boy Walter where she's like, oh, isn't it it's so sad that this little boy was 
abandoned by both his parents right after uh, he was given birth to. Um, and that's like the actual tragedy or like that's the thing that has turned um, uh, this into a, you know, a nightmare room and turned um, Walter into the serial killer ghost he is today. Uh, this idea that um, in his moment uh, of of necessary connection, um, there was like, uh, he was totally alone. Um, and, uh, I think that, uh, for whatever reason, um, and you can say it is, um, you know, fair or unfair, I think probably Team Silent, um, maybe sees, maybe sees the, the idea of, like, loneliness narratives or narratives about people who struggle to make connections, like, for whatever reason, they're like, oh, this is a, narrative which is easily told through these kind of different um, male protagonists um you know uh <laughs> uh you know like uh the sort of like lone wolf tor sort of t scenario of of um you know uh and and when uh, we when we had heather like why was she alone uh, she was alone because uh, this evil woman killed her dad and was just like, I needed you to be alone for the rest of this game to happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whereas, um, I think that, um, uh, the other, the other male protagonists, um, uh, Harry Mason, uh, and, and James and, um, and Henry, um, they sort of start off alone, right? They sort of, um... Or, right. And and for whatever reason, again, they're like, oh, this is a narrative that makes sense, or this is a more, uh, this is a, a male narrative, or like, uh, this, it makes sense to have a male protagonist for the story we're telling about introversion or being alone or like the failure to connect at birth. So um, I don't know if, if that conjures any sort of thoughts or ideas from you. That's just sort of what I glean from again, as you're saying, uh, their tendency to use uh, male characters for what you might think of as these as female ideas of kind of birth or um, blood-soaked rooms or, you know, these other kind of classically female ideas. It, it, it is an interesting thing to, to put this in the context. Like, I, I have separate thoughts about the game by itself, but within the what Team Silent has built as this series... Uh, Everything here is built on this idea of of parenthood, uh, or of or of a, of sort of emotional uh, a mix between emotional possession and emotional responsibility. Because if you look at the first game, it's about a dad looking for his daughter, but the daughter is also found by a cult where the cult, uh, led by a woman, she becomes the mother there too, and she is also the mother to the cult. And it's about like it's basically about different parenting styles, uh, <laughs> but like. Uh, as as the game series continues, it is that sort of thing, and it is really about um, sort of. I, I think in in all the situations you can look at it that uh, the main the main female characters uh, can all be ranked sort of on a scale of how much love they give versus how much love they withhold, uh, and all the, all of the male characters can be sort of ranked on this scale of toxic masculinity. Uh, <laughs> And like the two are all always obviously intertwined. Like this male character in this game was not loved, and therefore look at all the people he hurt. Yeah. Uh, and so that's pretty high up there. Versus our protagonist, who is just 
a nice guy renting an apartment and has no tie into any of this, uh, even if he's a little pervy, pervy maybe, by by necessity. Uh, but then you look <laughs> at, like, three, and that's about, like, a father's love, but also a daughter's love, but also a daughter's need to, you know, be her own person, but also her, t- like, she becomes a mother almost accidentally, but then she also, like... Uh, as we've had to cover on the show vomits up a child uh, so that's that's rejecting and abandoning a baby as well and that baby turns into god so uh which he has yeah, to which she then kills <laughs> right so there there is a yeah there is a scale here of acceptance to rejection for for basically everyone and that determines whether or not they are good or murder <laughs> the two types of people the good or the murder um, and I'm, I'm glad that we talked that one out because I was like saying saying that it's all toxic masculinity doesn't seem right. But saying that it is on this scale and that all women are also on a scale of love to rejection and how those are tied. Yeah, that that's in every game we've played so far. That makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And like, yeah, this idea that like um, to like the idea that Henry like basically like. His reward, or that, like, it. I mean, it seems very old fashioned, obviously, that his reward at the end of the room is basically the kind of affection or attention of of this woman that he uh, has been peeping on slash escorting through the whole game, and it's sort of the question is like, uh, oh, she, he is it? Is it just a question of him saving her life? And then she's like, oh, uh, sure, I'll accept your flowers now, uh, and we'll we'll get to like hang out in a room together. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> it's like literally like, Oh, after all of this, Oh, you can hang out with a girl um, in a room that is not a uh, murder room. And that's, that's kind of the baseline. Um, that's like, that's the happiest um, ending and her saying, Oh, we should move out of the, the murder house. That's like the best thing that can happen to you. His, his reward his reward for going to literal hell uh, made of meat uh, is that he will now have a girlfriend who will keep his place clean. My God, man, your place was so dirty. And that's, yeah, every every level of this is kind of bullshit. And and to be fair, like, you know, he brings her he brings her flowers in the hospital and it could just as well be like there is just a friendship out of this or something. I I don't know if anyone here ties it off into anything. They certainly don't have anything romantic happened to them over the course of the game and i can't imagine that this is the basis for a healthy relationship like <laughs> hey how'd you guys meet up well i kept her from event horizoning herself in a in a pool uh is that does that count uh yeah that i don't is, know it, yeah. it is that same thing at the end of movies where you're like i don't know the cop saved the girl from the serial killer if they don't kiss is it implied that they're dating now or does everyone just agree that like this is not the foundation from which a healthy relationship is born. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I always assume that, like, um, I don't know. I feel like giving someone flowers is like a romantic gesture, and so for sure. me, like, yeah. I assume that there's like we're supposed to invest. Uh, in sort of a romantic level in their relationship, um, which is like I don't know. <laughs> she's also like the, le- the her the name of her sacrament is like she's supposed to be her her sacrament's called the mother or something, right? 
Right. Like all the all the sacraments have names, right? And like hers he's, is the mother. He's the receiver of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is a fancy way of saying uh, I have a peephole. Uh, <laughs> that is the classiest way of saying that you're kind of a perv. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a peeping Tom. I am a receiver of knowledge of what you look like uh, when you're getting dressed. <laughs> See, it's like it's like I'm the I'm the 21st sacrament if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Another new t- name for this podcast. Just yeah. a real deep cut from the room. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and um, if you are going to murder me, you need to murder 20 people before me. <laughs> I feel like that gives you enough heads up time. Like around 15, you can start getting your, you know, affairs in order. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wow, that, that that clock is ticking and they are really efficient at what they are doing. I'd better, wow. better wrap this all up. <laughs> I really thought they would need more time to get to 20 people. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like he's I mean I guess like if you're if you're a ghost uh you don't have a day job you really can just focus you can really just focus on the killing like you don't need to like do it on weekends or in the evenings you can do it during the day it, it just cuts to one ghost that has one of the five swords stuck in him on the ground it's like guys come on just pull this out I got shit to do <laughs> got some errands to run can't believe I'm one of the five here. This is really upsetting. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, I know, like, uh, as a ghost, you're like, why me? Why do I have to be one of the five with the swords of obedience stuck in me? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> I I will say this about the game, and it is uh, something that, like, it, it, it took this long and probably for me to grow up and understand art and metaphor and stuff in, in ways. But, like, uh, almost everything in this game is built... Uh, in a circle, uh, oh, which if, yeah. if you're going to do a game about, you know, cycles of things and cycles of pain and abuse and, and how they affect other people, uh, the, you're in a, the, the water prison that you spend like two hours in is, uh, is a, is a giant, uh, circle sort of thing that is, that is built, uh, and it spirals up and it spirals down. And then you sort of have a hub world thing that you wind up in later that is also just a series of spirals and it's it's really interesting because uh this game finally abandons some of the um force perspective camera things it keeps yeah. them in there and and everything is still very um very jar- is is very stylized and interesting but uh it's not as jarring as it was before where you really had to change how you were controlling things like the camera just sort of moves fluidly and does that thing and there's also a lot of other little changes to this game. Like this is the first game where you have a health bar. So you're sort of like, I can tell when I'm getting in trouble, but it's also the game that uh, gets rid of having an inventory that you have to go to a pause screen to figure shit out. in. your inventory is just sort of on your screen in the corner. And, and that means that there's no real pausing to leave, to do stuff. Everything happens in the moment. It as, as a game, it's very interesting in that way, but also it uses this cycle thing to mean that you have to, transfer between this world and 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 the other world to sort of manage your inventory by putting it in a box in your room but also it creates puzzles uh like there is there's one point in the game where you pick up a key that's uh the dollhouse witch key yeah uh, and you try to leave this area and every time you try to leave the area it restarts you back at the beginning of the area it just Ah. keeps cycling and you're like what the fuck am i doing and the solution to this riddle is that you actually have to leave to go back to your apartment put that key that you'll need into your inventory box there, come back to the other world, 
leave the area, get to the place where you need the key, come back to the real world, get the key, and then go back to use it. Which uh, is the sort of thing that's like, yes, it's maddening, but when you solve it, you're like, oh, now I'm God. I figured out <laughs> the most. It's really, it's really good. Uh, but also, you, you you made the sound that I made because yeah, as a point, you're just like, I have to go look this up. I don't know. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I, the, this series, and the fact that like this, uh, the game doesn't do anything like that ever again. Like, yeah. it, it's like I had this one idea. I'm going to use it. It's not going to be a thing that you have to repeat. And I'm like, okay, I love something frustratingly, insanely clever. Every once in a while, I, I don't want to be that smart the entire time. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but that is another. It, it really, it, it, it is visually a cycle. It is really into that on on the 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 theory side of things too. I, yeah. I just think it is, it is an incredibly cohesive game for being something that like, I think people are like, wait, the, the long running thing on the internet was people are like, Oh, this was actually supposed to be a different game. And they just slapped the silent hill title on it. And that's not true at all. Yeah. Uh, it was, it is always supposed to be this. And it, it, I, I think that everyone sort of dismisses this game as being like, Oh, it's just a bunch of ideas cobbled together. I'm like, yeah, they're cobbled together, but they're like fucking super glued to each other. And yeah. that glue is an emotional concept. And I think that that works. So. <laughs> the the anyway, we've hit the magic one hour mark here. So we'll start to wrap things up. A uh, couple less details here. Uh, in 2004, uh, Silent Hill 4 was a nominee for GameSpot's uh, Best Adventure Game uh, and wound up losing to Mist 4. Uh, <laughs> so it turns out I wasn't entirely off with that Mist comparison. Uh, also, I just wanted to share this. I When I was trying to find which copy of, of Silent Hill 4 I was going to play for this, uh, I checked out the uh, the PC versions uh, sold in a box on Amazon, which, uh, holy shit, they're over like $250. And like, that's... Oh my god! Unreasonable, but the this is this is the product description for Silent Hill Four with the bullet the bullet selling points. It's very short, it. <laughs> and it's just about the product. Mm-hmm. One, face giant mutant wasps and dogs as you navigate through horrific alien dimensions. Yes. That doesn't seem that is not that is not the number one selling point. Nor does that sound like somebody that played this game. Uh, <laughs> two, two terrifying and more powerful. New zombies that can walk through walls and float through the air. They're called ghosts, you piece of shit. I, I don't understand who didn't understand what ghosts were. Oh, new powerful zombies. Oh my god, I fucking love it. Uh three. Yeah. A cast, a cast of mysterious new characters, some of whom will try to block your way. Yeah. Block is capitalized for some reason. I don't understand why who's trying to block me if, if fine. And four, uh, Stranger creatures are waiting for you as you unravel a horrible story. <laughs> Not like a horrible story is in horrible events. They're just like, listen, we're going to negatively judge uh, this narrative on the box art. <laughs> if you don't this mind. This story is bad. <laughs> this story is bad. We don't like it. <laughs> it's, it's a picture of one of those new powerful zombies bursting through your door. Like it doesn't have a physical form and can float in the air. I wish there was a word for that. <laughs> Fucking oh my god! Can, Trying to reverse engineer the concept of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> I love that this is like, uh, like what do, what makes Brock matter than anything in the world? Oh, it's someone's unfamiliarity with the concept of a ghost. <laughs> 
It's ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, it's like a it's like a zombie that's transparent, right? <laughs> it's like a weightless, infinitely long-lived zombie. It's like uh, Casper the Dead Child. Uh, what's another way to? <laughs> Uh, so what are your final thoughts here? What did, what did you think about this? Is this still something you want to keep making with me? Uh, yeah. yeah. How, how are you enjoying this? The way? Oh, I heard it. How is the Silent Hill story playing out for you? It's good. Um, thank you for checking in. Um, uh, <laughs> Brock is like, are you, are you sure? Like after every, after every podcast, Brock is like, do you still want to do more Silent Hill? Uh, <laughs> Look, it's it's a it's a it's a one two punch of the material that we're covering and my terrible personality. So like, somewhere between the two, I get very concerned. Yeah. Well, uh, for those who don't, yeah, <laughs> you're like, there's reason I'm checking in. Uh, I'm aware of both things. Um, uh, things that I love about Silent Hill. Um, the reason I keep coming back to Silent Hill, um, uh, and and these aren't entirely comedic. Uh, or um, sarcastic. Uh, I love um, I love villains with long straight hair. Uh, and I think we can all agree that if you have long straight hair in a Silent Hill game, uh, you probably are the villain. I do not know how that connects to the deeper themes of the games. Um, but if you see, uh, uh, obviously, um, long haired people are generally. Um, and uh, generally your enemies in these games and I appreciate that I appreciate just I just appreciate a video game um, making a choice about that particular category of person I feel like Silent Hill <laughs> made a super hard choice <laughs> about a category of person we don't generally make a hard choice about and I appreciate uh, that um, and I appreciate um, little kids who will mess with you um uh who will uh run away from you and you're like i have to catch them they have more plot inside them uh so that's another thing <laughs> i appreciate i like the children in this game are like leprechauns and the pot of gold is lore yeah <laughs> oh you got me you get more of the story but here i go again ah children <laughs> I know it's sort of like, um, uh, why would you ever want to have a child? It's like, well, uh, you have a child, so you know what happens next in your own narrative. Um, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't, uh, then you have to give birth to a god, uh, and then the god will make um, will make more story. Uh, I'm so sorry, that's baby rules. <laughs> Baby rules. We got weird baby rules. Sound Hill's like all about the weird baby rules, which again, I really <laughs> do appreciate. Um, I really uh, appreciate um, uh, women in miniskirts uh, who you have to escort, uh, but who, um, um, you know, like uh, there are diegetic reasons they're dressed like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's reasons for everything that happens in these games. Uh, and I do think that uh, Eileen and uh, Maria are very obviously different characters. Um, uh, for example, uh, Eileen is much more injured. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, yeah, so um, I do think it's funny that um, both Eileen and Maria um, are always kind of like on the brink of death throughout 
their game their games or like um, the the good ending uh, for Silent Hill 4 is meeting Eileen in the hospital and then like one of the Silent Hill 2 endings is like Maria getting sick again. Uh, so it always seems like uh, you're like, Give, if only I could keep my girlfriend well! <laughs> I think that's one of the existential fears of the Silent Hill team, which I again appreciate uh, because nothing is uh, ultimately scarier uh, than your uh, significant other um, getting an illness or, or getting sick. Uh, I, I genuinely, I genuinely think that. So I really appreciate that as well. So there's a lot about the Silent Hill games. I appreciate um, both jokingly but also sincerely. Do, do you think that everyone on Team Silent was just the worst boyfriend? <laughs> is, is that what they're trying to say here? Like, perhaps accidentally? I think they all have... Um, I think... I wouldn't put it past them that there's, like, a lot of anxiety on, the, on Team Silent. Like, uh, if you have, like, a perfectly healthy boyfriend or girlfriend and you're just kind of, like, watching them sleep... Um, you know, you're awake and they're asleep and you're just like, fuck, like, what if, what if they, you know, I don't know, like, what if they just got the shit beat out of them by a serial killer and got, you know, numbers drawn in their back? Like, that would, that would be bad. <laughs> and that's like the thoughts they have as they go to sleep. Um, I wouldn't put that past them at all. Uh, because um, what are video games but stories that we think of and then turn into video games? <laughs> well, we, ha we have to end on that that was, that was an absolute line. Uh, I'm Brock Wilbur on, on Twitter at Brock Wilbur and, and other places I have some other podcasts to check out and stuff uh, boy I love doing this uh, I, I'm a comedian and stuff uh, you can find me and my writing out there on on the interwebs rachel where can people find you and what what can they do to support your work <laughs> oh uh brock oh so much um uh, <laughs> uh my name is rachel jane andelman you can find me on twitter at at r-a-j andelman a-n-d-e-l-m-a-n um, on twitter um i should have more internet work coming out soon of an ambiguous nature i just feel like i should have more work coming out uh but definitely if you're <laughs> not that the, if it is coming out is that i should i feel some responsibility to get out more work uh and you can find me um at Improv Boston, I host a weekly show called Improv Boston Cage Match, and a month I'm in a monthly show called Magic the Gathering the Show. And uh, every Friday in January, I'm in Improvised Clue. I'm also in a show that's an improvised version of the board game and movie Clue. Rachel, where can people watch you sleep? <laughs> Oh man, uh, they can watch me sleep, of course, um, in my bed in my haunted ghost apartment. <laughs> so many places, so many places. Oh, I'm just everywhere right now. Uh, <laughs> thank you to our editor, Terrence Wiggins, uh, at The Black Nerd. Please hire him to edit your podcast. This has been Less Than Silent Hills. Please rate, review, tell a friend. Thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you for all the really sweet and mostly not weird responses on Twitter about about this show. We're really glad that people enjoy it as much as we mostly enjoy making it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>